um, begun in the series, this, this idea of constructing vision. What is it that Hope Alliance Church is all about? Uh, do we need another building in this community with a steeple? Uh, do we need uh, another church structure? Um, there are enough church buildings in this town uh, probably to say no, but the reality is that the presence of the kingdom uh, is not fully here. Most of those church buildings, unfortunately, are, are empty or are struggling or for sale. And we've read the statistics together that 2.8% uh, of Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton uh, is in relationship with Jesus. So statistics say that 798,000 people uh, in our communities are living apart from Jesus. Do we need another church building? No. Do we need another religious service? No. Do we need something that will offer Jesus to people? Yes. And so we join the other wonderful places that are doing that already, not to say we are better or doing something more important, but to say we need more, more, more. This is an and proposition. Uh, and so we began our series talking about at the core of what hope is, Hope is a Jesus-only identity. Uh, we are not Jesus plus anything. In fact, Jesus plus something uh, is an addition to the gospel, and it's heresy at the core of what that means. Now, um, we are glad that they don't um, have ad hoc councils and burn people at the stake anymore, because how we live sometimes doesn't always match up with when we say Jesus only, right? Um, in the old days, it was a much scarier place. <laughs> Jesus only, and we talked about this, this idea that that means that Jesus is at the center. Everything we do revolves around him. If we're doing something that isn't, isn't uh, built on the foundation of Jesus, isn't revolving around Jesus at the center, then we simply created a program to create a program. And we've simply uh, created an idea because someone else did it or we thought it was cool. Um, and there's plenty of room for great programs and great ideas and creative things, but they must revolve around Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is supreme, we said. There's nothing greater than Jesus, which ultimately leads us to understand that Jesus is our only hope. And so at the end of the day, if we're offering good preaching or good music, uh, which hopefully we are, but if we're only doing those things, if we're only offering another church service, then all we're, all we're imposing on people is more self-help, right? Jesus is not a self-help author. He's the author of new creation. He doesn't use the old stuff. He births new. And so as a church, at the core of who we are is Jesus-centered. So if you think of, um, I know some of you guys uh, probably um, throw darts. If you think of, of a bullseye, or maybe you're an archer. If you think of a bullseye, and you think of at the center is Jesus, and then you have these kind of concentric circles that, that go out. So for us, at the center is Jesus, and then the next, uh, next step out is this idea of being a gospel-saturated community. Uh, if Jesus is at the center, then we will be a gospel-saturated community for us and for the world. In other words, that the gospel is at, is at the center of all that we're doing because it's the message that Jesus proclaimed to the world. And so the gospel is the means by which we live lives that honor Christ. The gospel is the means by which we subvert evil in our world. We talked about wanting to be a church 
that is always driven around the gospel. That when you come and hear teaching, the gospel is at the core of the teaching. That when we go and serve in the community, the gospel is at the core of what we do. It's why we walk for freedom. It's why we raise money to build houses, to rescue uh, women from sex slavery. Because the gospel compels us to do these things. And then the next circle out is what we want to talk about this morning. And that's that we have a vision to be a training center. Jesus only, gospel saturation, training center. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God has given me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the mystery that Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of all that God has intended to do throughout history. Is what Paul's mission and commission to the church is, to make this known. And then he says in verse 28, uh, he is the one we proclaim. There's proclamation, announcement, uh, bold speaking. Admonishing, admonishing sort of has this uh, slightly negative uh, connotation to it. In other words, warning uh, or correcting. Um, So proclaiming, admonishing, teaching, kind of instruction. Everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature or complete or some translations say perfect in Christ. Why do we seek to be a training center? Well, ultimately, so that we can present everyone complete in Christ. So we're going to talk about this concept of a training center. What are some of the implications of what it means when we say that as a church, uh, our vision is to be a training center? And the first implication, I think, is the ministry of equipping. So uh, sort of inherent in the word training is there's going to be some, uh, some means of delivering um, helpful information and or uh, empowerment to other people. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says that God has given to the church apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. Why? To equip them for works of service. So at the core of it, ultimately my job in serving you as a pastor, Paul's job in serving the early church as an apostle and evangelist, Timothy's job in the early church as a pastor, every pastor's job, every apostle, evangelist, everyone who's been given these leadership ministry gifts in the church is to equip people in the church. The church has to be a training center. Now, why are people trained? Do you train just to train? I've met some of these people, right? And oftentimes they're runners uh, and they're wonderful people, but I've never understood them, right? They run simply to run. Like I'll see on Facebook friends of mine who say, I got up and ran 10 miles this morning. And I'm thinking, first of all, what time did you have to get up to accomplish this? Strike number one. Number two, you ran for no purpose. Really? You ran 10 miles for no purpose? There wasn't like someone holding a a cooked steak in front of you and you were just trying to to catch up to it and get it. 
Now, ultimately, we train for purpose, right? We train because at the end, we're, we're, we're preparing ourselves to accomplish something. We're readying ourselves to achieve a goal. Um, you're preparing for a test, so you train by studying. You train by learning in the classroom. You're preparing for a new job, so you apprentice under somebody. Now, one of the, one of the great things, and I'm so glad we got to do it last year because now the Eagles have uh, changed and there's no more training camp in Bethlehem. If you're a football fan and an Eagles fan and you live in Bethlehem, which all three are true of me, that was like the worst news ever. Um, but they used to have training camp here at Lehigh University for years and years and years. And last year we went. It was the first time I've ever been to an NFL training camp. Uh, and aside from being a million degrees and me sweating on the sidelines, let alone these poor players uh, doing what they were doing, it was unbelievably interesting to watch, right? Because they were so consumed in this. They were so invested in this because what they did there mattered for the future. How they performed and accomplished and were trained and were enabled there would matter in, in September and October and November and December. When we say that we intend to be a training center, we're not saying that you need to come listen to some talking head who thinks he knows everything and will deposit a bunch of information on you. No, what we're saying is we come together as a collective group, me and all of us, because what we have been called to achieve in the world is so important that we have to spend this time preparing and readying and empowering ourselves to accomplish what God has called us to do. If you talk to any NFL player, they tell you that the worst experience of the season is training camp, right? But yet they do it, and they're fully invested in it. Now, I hope that when we speak of uh, Hope Alliance as a training center, it's not the worst experience of your week, of your life, of your month, whatever. That's not what I intend to say. What I'm saying is the training part is so critically important. Now, we can talk all we want about the great things that God has called us to do. If we are not sharpening each other to accomplish it, then we will not accomplish it. An obvious implication when we say we're a training center is that we will be involved in equipping ministry. A second uh, implication of this is what I call holistic discipleship. Now, again, if you've ever been to NFL training camp, and, and maybe you haven't, um, but, but picture this for a minute. You've got, uh, in the, during the regular season, there are 50, 53 players on an NFL roster. During training camp, there's like just below 100, right? There's like, they're everywhere. They're all over the place in there. And it's sort of, sort of managed chaos, right? So there's like three different fields. There's loud air horns. There's people up on microphones. And so they'll be practicing. And then they'll be, they'll be all practicing together in a scrimmage for 15 minutes. And then an air horn blows. And they yell out some command that no one on the sideline really knows. And then they split off into all different parts. And they practice as positions. And then 10 minutes later, an air horn blows, and then they come together and do seven-on-seven seven drills. And then an air horn blows, and they grab water. And then another air, air horn blows, and now it's uh, passing drills. And then they're back to scrimmaging full-time. So when we speak of this idea of training center, when I speak of the word holistic discipleship, what I'm saying is that the gospel impacts the whole person, the whole gospel for the whole person. Being a training center is not simply a cognitive exercise where you come and hear a teacher, either in a small group, a community group, or in a, in a sermon, uh, or you know, in a, if a class we ever have or something like that, where you simply come and receive information. That's a part of it. 
but it's not the whole of it. God intends to refine all of us. And I don't simply mean the collective all of us. I mean all of you. Because it's the whole gospel for the whole person. In the ancient world, uh, the word discipleship had a very different meaning than what we have today. When I grew up uh, in my church, the word discipleship meant that you were um, given a small book that had uh, 12 to 13 lessons in it, and you were assigned to a group, and you completed the book in the group, and you were discipled. Um, And fair enough, uh, it was more of a small group Bible study. Um, But that's an important part of discipleship. What what I'm getting at is that the fullness of the idea of being discipled is more the ancient idea where people shared life together. So when Jesus called disciples, he called them and they followed him. They didn't simply listen to his instructions. They did that, but they witnessed him interact with people. He sent them to interact with people. All kinds of things uh, like that were happening. Holistic discipleship. And the third implication is that we gather to scatter. What you do during the week is just as important. In fact, if you would allow me uh, the ability to say it, more important than what we do here on Sunday or at your community group or other functions where we gather together. We gather together so that we can scatter well. Because ultimately the call on us, the call on every single follower of Christ is to make disciples. To engage in their community. To live missionally. To live out the fullness of the gospel. It's an exercise that is to encompass the whole of you the whole of your life, the whole of your schedule. And so we gather and we hope to gather well so that we can scatter well. A training center. I think there's three implications just to to reiterate them uh, quickly. One is that it's an equipping church. A place where you will be equipped to accomplish the things that God has called you to do. The second uh, is that it's holistic discipleship. Sermons and teaching are a big part of what we do here. uh, But it's also that we want to see the whole of the gospel impact the whole of you. And then lastly, that we gather to scatter so that what you accomplish during the week is just as important as what we do here. And if what we're doing here is being done well, we see it by the results of what happens when you scatter. So let's take a minute then. We say training center. What are we training to do? Two things, I think. The first thing that we're training to do is to know and be rooted in the story of God. What does Paul say in Colossians 1? Uh, that we, let me read it to you again. Verse, verse 25. I have become a servant of the church by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now we're ultimately, uh, we're, uh, ultimately is probably the wrong word. We, we um, are quick to assume when we hear the word, word or the phrase word of God that they're speaking of the Bible a couple of things to remember that they're writing the Bible so they didn't have the full Bible so it's hard to assume that that's what they were actually talking about the word word of God comes from the Greek word logos and it simply means the, re- the revealed message of God right so the revelation of God and Paul sort of leads us to understand that the ultimate is Christ right this is ultimately Christ in you the hope of glory Christ is the ultimate revelation of God. He's the ultimate word. John chapter 1 says what? When uh, the word 
became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was Jesus, the ultimate Logos. So, to know and be rooted in the story of God, first, is to know and be rooted in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the ultimate. Say those three things again. Jesus is the center, Jesus is supreme, and Jesus is our only hope. What are we training people to be and to do? We're training you to be, to know and be rooted in the story of God. To know and be rooted in Jesus Christ. That he would be the center, supreme, and our only hope. The second then is to know and be rooted in scripture. Because this is the the means by which God reveals his story to us. This is what he's given us. Uh, And scripture is our final authority in all things of faith and practice. Um, It's God's inspired word given to us without error for us to be able to live the life that God intends us. This is the, the, the tool that the Spirit uses to give us the message of God. To know and be rooted in Scripture. Then also to know and be rooted in the narrative themes of God's story. Now, maybe I've lost you. Here is what, what, what we need to understand. So if, if we zoom out and think about the story of God, the story that God is telling in the world, there are, there are a few narrative themes that tie in this whole story. And when we can connect well to them, number one, we'll understand Scripture a whole lot better. And number two, we'll understand our sort of calling uh, and empowerment a whole lot better. The first is the story of people and land, right? God has always been calling to himself a people has always been trying to gather them in a land where he can live with them forever. People, land, dwell forever, right? So in the beginning, God has Adam and Eve, and he lets them uh, live in Eden, and he lives with them there. And ultimately, he brings them back into the nation of Israel, and he builds a t- they have them build a tabernacle where he can live with them there uh, as well. And ultimately, the, the story of Revelation is that God is intending to come back to earth, to live with his people in a new earth. So if we can understand this narrative theme and root ourselves in it, we can understand God's call on us to be his children, to live with him in intimacy, and to call other people into that reality. Then then think about this, the storyline of Eden, exile, exodus. Eden, exile, exodus. This is repeated throughout scripture right? People living with God in perfection or in in harmony, Uh, the people of God falling and being exiled out from the land of God's choosing, and then God in mercy and grace bringing them back in Exodus, which ultimately leads to an Eden, and then to an exile, and then to an Exodus, that ultimately leads to an Eden, and then to an exile, and ultimately to an Exodus. This is the storyline that we're living in. If we can understand these things and be rooted in them, it can change how we perceive the world around us, how we engage in it, and what we're called to do. So know and be rooted in the story of God. Know and be rooted in the ultimacy of Christ. Know and be rooted in Scripture. Know and be rooted in the narrative themes of Christ. And then finally this. Know uh, and be rooted in the people of God. The people of God. This is what Paul says. The mystery, uh, this is verse 26, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the people of God. Now disclosed to the Lord's people. 
We need to know and be rooted in the people of God. Remember the famous verse in Hebrews chapter 12? Therefore, fix your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. And it says we have such a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. Right? In Hebrews chapter 11, there's the stories of Moses and Abraham and all these wonderful men of valor and of faith who have done these unbelievable things for God. And the writer of Hebrews says, so, so know these people and stand on them as you go forward in living this life of faith. Well, the obvious implication for us over 2,000 years later is to understand that there's 2,000 more years of people of God who have been doing these things who have been living in faith, whose shoulders we need to be standing on. People like Martin Luther, people like John Calvin, people uh, like St. Augustine, people like St. Irenaeus. Uh, For far too long, the church has been devoid of the history of church. Uh, About 20 to 30 years ago, the the church decided that in order to reach the world around us, we needed to get rid of all of these things that looked old and ancient and like it was part of something, and just do this new thing. Uh, And in many ways, that's wonderful because we've contextualized the message of faith, but now we've lost our whole heritage of what it means to be rooted in this greater story of faith. What does it mean to be a training center? What are we training to do? To know and be rooted in the story of God which means to know and be rooted in the ultimacy of Christ, to know and be rooted in Scripture, to know and be rooted in the narrative themes of God's story, and to know and be rooted in the history of the church. These are the things that if we're trained to do, we can live fully into our calling. And then the the second and last thing is to know and follow God's call on your life. To know and follow God's call on your life a few things here. The first is personal holiness. Many people uh, will sit with me and ask, I don't know what God is calling me to do. What is God's will for my life? What should I be doing? And these are questions that people have been asking for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. In fact, uh, if you wanted to go to Barnes and Noble and go to the um, Christianity section or whatever it's called, uh, at least half of the books you would find probably in some way would touch this question. What is God's will for your life? What are you here to do? Part of that is hard to answer, and part of it is unbelievably easy to answer, uh, but we fail to, to land in the easiness. The first part that's easy to answer is that God has called you to be holy. God has called you to be holy. What is God's call on your life? First and foremost, it's to be holy. How do I know this? First Thessalonians says, the will of God is that you be sanctified. I mean, that's exactly what it says, right? There's no parsing or um, interpretation there. It's God's will that you be sanctified. In other words, that you live a holy life, that you be changed, that you put on the new self. Uh, First Peter says that God says to us, be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. We're trained to know and follow God's call on your life. The first call on your life is personal holiness. Trained to know and follow God in personal holiness. Second is your uniqueness. What is it that God has called you to be and to do? What are the passions that you have? Uh, What is the soft spot in your heart? Where is the place that God has uniquely uh, enabled you 
to push back the darkness. To be a training center means to identify those things, to help you realize them, to call them out on you, and to equip you in any way possible to live fully into that calling, which ultimately leads to the third thing, your giftedness. How has God gifted you in terms of spiritual gifts, but also in terms of talents and abilities? To be a training center means to call those realities out in each of you, to develop those giftedness through apprenticeships, not through written tests, where people are calling out on you the talents, abilities, and giftedness that they see in you, and where you're able to step into that with other people around you who are empowering you, encouraging you, and equipping you to do it, and where you're able to succeed in that, and then fully live into the calling that God has given you, whether it's playing music, teaching children, teaching uh, uh, adults, whether it's leading a community group, whether it's being an evangelist, whether it's being an apostle, whether it's having the gifts of hospitality, calling these things out in you so that you can fully live into the calling that God has placed on you, which leads to the ultimate, and that is mission. Mission. We gather to scatter. The ultimate vision of hope is that we would be ascending church. That's why we call ourselves a training center. Because most people don't come to a training center and one, stay the same, or two, keep doing the things they've always been doing. You're sent into a new reality of who you are. You're sent into a new calling that God has put on you. For, for We hope that people will rise up from here and, and feel a call to the outermost parts of the earth and we'll be able to send you and enable you to live those things out. We want to plant hundreds of churches. We don't want to simply grow something large and fat here. We want to be equipping and training so that we can constantly be multiplying and sending out. And our proclamation to you and to the world is that we will do anything and everything possible to make this happen. It's not simply about sermons. And it's not simply about programs. And it's not simply even about community groups. It's about living into this vision of gospel saturation and a training center and finding any way possible to make those happen that are contextually meaningful, contextually relevant, and contextually powerful. We want to resource you to be all that God has called you to be for the sake of the kingdom of God in this world that empowers you to healthy relationships, that empowers you to healthy marriages, that empowers you to healthy families, that empowers you to healthy uh, vocational living, that empowers you to, to healthy spiritual gift fulfillment, that empowers you to healthy ministry, that empowers us to healthy kingdom impact in the small, medium, and big things that God has called us together to accomplish. So what is hope? Hope is not simply just another church. We hope that whenever people think about hope, three words pop into their mind. Jesus, gospel, training. Jesus, gospel, equipping. This is a place that can see real kingdom impact because we're committed to these things. Let's pray together.
Jesus, we thank you for the ways in which you have called us to be your church. The ways in which you have enabled us and empowered us with vision. People that you've already called together to begin making this happen. God, we pray in faith and boldness that you would continue to assemble a powerful core that can bring reality to this vision. Jesus, it's you that's at the center. It's your gospel that has become our story. And it's our endeavor to train people in that story, to equip them with it, and therefore to equip them to feel your call and to follow it. Ultimately, we're able to do this, Jesus, because of what you've done in us. And so we thank you for you, and we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for the cross and for the empty tomb. And what it has meant to those of us who were enemies and now have been welcomed as children. Continue to receive our praise, we pray. In your name, amen. Amen.